Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment by interviewing cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations. Dr. Elsie is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters as soon as they reopen. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. This show is also brought to you by Meet Me, where they make organic, humane, raw frozen foods and dehydrated treats on their own rural farm in Virginia. The turkey, chicken, rabbit, and beef are certified organic and humanely raised and processed right on their property. So they control safety and health for animals on their farm and at your home, which is why they say, from farm to bowl. I am delighted, excited, fill in the blanks with other positive adjectives, to meet and to introduce you guys to Hannah Shaw. She's known as the kitten lady in the rescue world, or particularly the feline rescue world. A celebrity is not too small a word to use, but to those of us that just like cats, love cats, adopt them, um, don't, don't, know anything about little teeny baby neonate kittens she is the well of information and this book tiny but mighty kitten lady's guide to saving the most vulnerable felines i i hannah i dug into this book and i thought yeah i'll look at the pretty pictures and i'll look at some chapter headings because you know i know quite a lot about cats i know nothing okay i know nothing and i and i think the point of this book is that most people that think they know about cats, know nothing about neonate kittens, and that is your word. <laughs> so thank you so much for writing this book, for living the life that you've led, and for crossing and crisscrossing and recrossing the country to teach, just literally teach bottle feeding and weaning techniques and litter box training and all this incredibly labor-intensive stuff that you do it's your life. I don't know how this is your life. And you also have a man in your life. You have a life together. Andrew, you talk about him in the book. And it's like, how do you have time to have like a human life when your whole life is kittens? <laughs> well, thank you for having me on your show. Um, yeah, I, kittens are absolutely my life and they have been for a long time. I spend my time, you know, back and forth between being at home where I have a nursery where I'm taking care of young orphaned kittens and then being on the road teaching. So I teach workshops all over the country and abroad. Right now I am on my book tour for Tiny But Mighty, so I'm in a different city every single night this week. And right now I'm in Atlanta. And a lot, um, and a lot, I imagine that a lot of it is in person meeting and greeting and, and meeting people. I would guess who already have you up on a pedestal, right? I mean, you are you are a draw in the animal welfare world, just the virtue of being you. But now you have this book as well, so people must be so eager to meet you, who have only followed you on the you know one. They are only one of the millions of people that follow you on social media. But is the crowd mostly made up of people who know you, as opposed to newcomers? 
to the whole world of kitten saving? Well, I would say that the people who come to my events, it's anything from people who are, you know, already doing this work and are, you know, maybe even employed by shelters or are volunteers or foster parents, all the way to people who are just, you know, they, they saw a cute post on Instagram and right. they like cats, but maybe they don't really know anything about this world and they come out because they want to see somebody who they follow on the internet and they don't really necessarily know anything about this. So the, the goal is to have these resources be available to you no matter where on your journey you are, whether you're brand new to this or whether you've been fostering for, you know, three decades. Um, I want, I, I hope that the workshops and the book have something for everybody. I, I didn't really under, and I'm, and they do. I mean, the book has something for everybody because even if you don't have a cat, don't have a kitten, aren't in a position to have one, reading about what goes into rescuing these little tiny babies and their vulnerability and all the facts about them being the most at-risk part of the whole feline population, maybe some cranky, unadoptable, feral-type cats, community cats who are just very happy outdoors is one category. But to understand the amount of effort that you put into saving each of these kittens, Hannah, up until particularly that five-week period where maybe once they're weaned, it's a little less work than every two hours bottle feeding, (laughs) is really mesmerizing. I mean, I kind of knew that bottle feeding neonate kittens was a big job, but the, the, the level of the job, keeping their temperature correct, the book is fabulous because everything is broken down into a way I'm reading it and thinking, I could do this, but, you know, honestly, I couldn't. I don't know how you do it. It is such a devotion, and yet you've inspired many, 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 many of thousands of people to do what you do because you break it down into all of its component activities and make it seem doable. And is that what you had to do in the beginning, just sort of like put one foot in front of the other and under and learn all these things that you're now teaching everybody else? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, the first thing, as I would say, You know, if you think you can't do it, then you can't do it. But if you think you can, then you probably can. So it all really starts with having the right attitude and saying, hey, I don't know about this, but maybe I'm willing to learn. I think this is an issue I care about. You know, I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, I totally, totally do not agree that it's a difficult thing for people to learn how to do. Really, like, you can do this. You You could pick up this book, read a chapter and go sign up to foster tomorrow. Honestly, and you could can do this. Yep. Um, so it's it's more about having the attitude of like hope and compassion, and uh, you know, being a brave person who's willing to give it a try. Uh, it is definitely work that you need to know how to do. So that's why I wrote, wrote the book so that there's you know educational resources out there for people. But absolutely anybody can learn how to do this and. Uh, you know, there's different populations of kittens that need help. It's not just young neonates. There's also you know, moms with their babies. There's the weaned kittens, right. feral kittens, medical cases. There's really something for everyone, and um, we certainly need as many people as possible to see themselves as a solution to all of this. Um, I want people to see themselves in the book and not just go, wow, you're doing that, and that's right. to say, oh, I didn't realize, like, I can do this as well. But now I do, and, you know, I'm seeing some of the early feedback from 
people who are reading the book. And already I'm seeing people saying, I signed up to Foster because I started reading this book and nice. I realized I can do this. So, nice. Um, that's the dream. That, and that, that is a great way to realize the dream because while you were reaching loads of people in a kind of fun, inspirational way um, in social media and then reaching them organically as they sat in your class or before you at a meow meetup or something, you can obviously reach more people through a book because I would even say if someone's life or lifestyle um, doesn't allow them to get actively hands-on involved – I would say buy this book for your vet, buy this book for your shelter, because one of the things that you talk about in the book is that someone like me who is absorbed and immersed in, in dog and cat culture, and I'm, I'm an information sort of geek, and I didn't know most of what's in your book, you said that a lot of vets don't, a lot of shelters don't, a lot of, a lot of professionals Absolutely. don't have these skills, and that is a little surprising. It's not just that they don't have the time or the space to do what you explain very beautifully needs to be done to keep the kittens when they're tiny safe from disease and, and warm and fed and cleaned and all that, is they just don't know. And so they have yeah, to let them go. True. I mean, in the veterinary world, it's really disheartening how little focus there is on pediatrics. Yes. And that's not veter- that's not an any individual veterinarian's fault, but when you go to vet school, you might get just a couple hours of information, you know, in your entire schooling about neonatal orphaned kitten care, like these critical right. kittens. So, right. Um, you know, you have to remember, and I, I write a lot about it in the book, like why these kittens are not understood both in shelters and in yes. private practice medicine, because, you know, most of the time, these kittens, they don't have... Uh, they're not somebody's personal pet, you know. They find them outside, and people are not bringing in these kittens to veterinarians and saying, you know, let's do anything we can for them. Right. They're usually ending up in shelters where there's not, um, you know, a lot of resources for them. So most most veterinary medicine for kittens focuses on, you know, six weeks and up because that's when these kittens come in for their first kitten vaccine. Right. Stuff like that. You know, most adopters, they're getting kittens at eight weeks or older. So um, those are the kittens that veterinarians typically know how to treat. But it is really important that veterinarians know something about critical kitten care. Uh, So, yeah, it's a great gift to give to your veterinarian. It's a great gift to give to your local shelter. We have to remember shelter employees who are the most brave, awesome, wonderful people in the world. They have a lot of other stuff going on. They have to take care of every, you know, dog, cat, guinea pig, snake, yep. rabbit yep. in the door. And, you know, when you have that much on your plate, you don't necessarily have the, uh, you know, time and ability to focus on knowing how to work with these little babies, but they deserve protection just as much as anybody else does. So um, I hope that this can be a book that is both fun to read, but also a good Um, like reference material for people who work with animals um, or people who are just interested in working with animals um, that they can pick up and go, oh, yeah, that's how you do that thing. Right, that thing that, well, if I can't do it, maybe I can get my sister to come over and do the 6 o'clock feeding because I have to do X or Y with my human children or something, where you can share the responsibility or you find a TNR group that also has people that will foster a whole litter of kittens with their mom 
which is what you say is always the best thing to do because no one does better kitten care than than a mom. And one of the things that you bring up in the book, which I think is really just an important general piece of information, is if you were to see one, two, three, four, five kittens under a bush or behind a dumpster, that you're not doing them a favor by scooping them up and taking them to the shelter because, A, they will be euthanized. There's no way there they can take care of little teensy, tiny, unweaned kittens. And the mother might have been nearby. And you put, you have this yeah, great do's and don'ts list. Yeah, you say, it, do not touch if the kittens look clean and well-fed. That means their mother's taking care of them and they don't look sick. And there isn't a snowstorm arriving tomorrow and they're unsheltered. So, you know, right. this, that is really important to help us realize it's like not taking baby birds out of a nest kind of thing. You know, you're not doing the sure. baby birds yeah. a big favor. Thank you. Right? Unless their mother yeah, dropped the, dead. The only difference between the two is that we don't want to just not touch the babies and then say, cool, I'm just going to leave. We do right, want right, to good. try to help that whole colony. So it's not just, right. you know, don't separate moms and babies, but it's also, you know, even if you do scoop up the babies, like, go back and try to get everyone at that colony sterilized. Because yes. kittens don't just emerge out of thin air. Like, these kittens are coming you know, to us from outside pretty much all the time. 80% of kittens born annually are born outdoors to community cats. So we have a responsibility to, you know, address that issue at its source, which is in these community cat colonies. So trap to return is a huge part of doing kitten advocacy. And I really think you can't be a strong kitten advocate if you're not also out there with a trap in your hand saying, hey, we got to get these guys sterilized because you know, we can't foster our way out of this issue. We yes. have to be yes. the long-term strategy as well. Definitely. And and to those of you listening that are part of TNR or have always wanted to be and don't really know, well, where could my place in that be? You have a great mission here because Hannah, even in Tiny But Mighty, has a really great description of how you can use kittens as bait to get the mama cat into the humane trap so that she can be sterilized and still potentially even take care of them. Can she still take care of them, Hannah? I wasn't clear about that. It's the way to catch her by by having her her babies in the you know in a separate cage at the back of the trap it's very smart mm-hmm. of you um can can she you keep the am I, just to be clear about this you keep them you the the wonderful TNR person keeps them together until they're weaned and then mom gets spayed yeah the best thing for any baby is for them to be with their mom like right. you know even if you're me I'm never going to be as good at kitten care as a mom cat is. Yes. So um, if you are able to catch the mom and her babies, then the very best thing to do is for them to be reunited in foster care, which is honestly the easiest fostering to do. If you want to do fostering right. that is yes. very hands-off, do feral moms and their babies because what you do is you feed mom mom feeds babies and you don't (laughs) even have to interact with mom because she doesn't like you um and then once once the kittens are five weeks old mom goes you know she gets spayed she goes back outside now you've got these healthy beautiful babies who just need a couple weeks of socializing and you know warming up to you and being your buddy and learning how to you know have appropriate behaviors and all of that stuff and then they get adopted so and you get all of the fun of taking care of kittens while also 
you know, not having the work of taking care of orphans, and right. you know that mom is sterilized, so those kittens are going to be the last in the colony, which is really important. Well, one of the very funny things in the book is is you writing about what one of these mama cats that you saved with her litter was going to write on, I think, Yelp or Travel Advisor about her time at your house that she was poked with a kitchen utensil because you had this really brilliant way of uh, getting the kittens uh, to you while she was with them so that you and and nobody else got hurt. Explain about your spatula technique. <laughs> Well, in that story, I was talking about this very feral mom cat that I was fostering with her babies, and uh, her babies, uh, you know, I needed to be able to monitor them and check out their weight and make sure everybody's healthy and stuff, but I couldn't get close to mom because she was very, very fractious, so um, I used, like, a very long spatula to uh, (laughs) fly away from her towards me, and it was uh, very funny techniques but that's part of rescue you have to kind of be inventive sometimes that's what i loved about it was that you know you just came up with a solution you saw what the what the challenge was don't even call it a problem that's the challenge and here's a solution it might be unorthodox but everyone can just use their their keep their wits about them and think of something that's safe and humane but gets the job done a question about why these little teeny tiny incredibly vulnerable super dependent baby animals or what grabbed your heart when you were in your 20s? I mean, there, there, I, I always think, I've said to Jackson, who's been on the show a number of times, and he would be the first to say it too, that some of the people who are deeply involved in rescue and sheltering, that there's a part of their life and their background and their personality and their needs that are also met while they are interfacing with the animals and you have taken these incredibly labor-intensive very vulnerable little babies do you think that there's something in you that that was most attracted to that if you'd become a nurse would you have been a NICU nurse at a human pediatric hospital would you always want the most vulnerable yeah um, I have always loved working with these little babies and neonates are definitely my uh, you know specialty I think that there's something very empowering about having a small baby in the palm of your hand and yes. getting to witness the transformation that you can help them go through. Um, it is honestly just an incredible thing to, to witness. Um, I love working with neonates, even of other species. I've worked with, you know, piglets, puppies, squirrels. I'll work <laughs> with just about anyone. Um, so uh, I do love, I love, um, cats, but I really love working with um, just any neonatal animals and helping them get through that period of, of vulnerability. And watching that transformation, the photographs that Andrew's taken in the book are really marvelous, seeing these little creatures that seem like they could be any animal when they're just days or a week old, and then watching them blossom into being cats, well, kittens first, of course, but of such beauty and uh, distinctiveness and originality. And when they start out, they're all just darling little, you call them little wiggly worms and stuff. You have these great names for them. <laughs> but I, I can see how that flowering is is part of the, the gratification and also going from would otherwise have been uh, untamable, if you will, to being probably the most affectionate, the most human-friendly cats because they've been handled from their earliest moments. So I imagine yeah, that the I kittens that, right? That's, that's the best part is 
seeing that something you've done has absolutely transformed the life. It's a very, very empowering feeling. And as you also point out, transformed the relationship of, of people trying to do rescue, giving them the tools to feel really good about it instead of feeling powerless or hopeless. And then, of course, Absolutely. the people that adopt these little beauties and get to have their life fulfilled uh, for a very, very long time by them is kind of amazing. Hannah, I wish you Godspeed on this journey of yours. When you aren't traveling across the country to give kitten talks, here you are talking about Tiny But Mighty Kitty, Kitten Lady's Guide to Saving the Most Vulnerable Felines. It's an amazing accomplishment, as is everything you do every day. And I'm thrilled to Thank be able so to talk to you and get to know you a little bit and for everyone to really go out and get this book and just see what somebody amazing is doing. And, yes, you could probably do some part of it yourself, too. Thanks so much for being here, Hannah. <laughs> Thank you Take so care. much for having me. Of course. Thanks for listening to Cat Chat. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which created their own clean protein foods inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but clean protein also comes as a dry food, the first one I would recommend if you want to feed dry, even as part of your cat's diet. This show is also supported by cat water, specially formulated to appeal to cats, chlorine-free, ozonated, and lightly acidic, to encourage them to drink more to promote urinary tract health and the ideal pH.